Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. If Scotland can score some of their tries from those flary moments, you know, the likes of Russell, he's going to be full of confidence. There's hope. I think in the past you might have said, oh, it's an 80-20, 80% Ireland, 20% Scotland. That's not like that anymore. It's really, the gap is narrow. And, and I think um, Scotland, you know, themselves are building really nicely for the, for the Six Nations and also for the World Cup. Hello and welcome to The Left Wing. I'm Sinead Kazan. Now to continue our countdown to Sunday Six Nations game between Scotland and Ireland, we spoke to a man who played out half for Scotland and also for Connacht. Dan Parks won 67 caps with Scotland and as well as playing with Glasgow and the Cardiff Blues, Dan made 51 appearances for Connacht after which he retired from professional rugby nearly nine years ago. Dan is now living in Sydney where he's still involved in rugby. And I started by asking him how life has been for him since his playing days ended. It's actually quite surprising. I was talking to my, my partner just the other day, talking about how long or how um, quick those t- that time has gone. It's been, yeah, as you said, nearly nine years now. And um, yeah, I still miss it uh, being being a professional athlete. It was a, a wonderful time in my life. It was, um, I guess it was something that I'd always dreamed of uh, one day doing and then when I was given the opportunity when I joined uh, Glasgow back in 2003, um, yeah, really enjoyed my time. They had two years there initially and then ended up staying there for seven years and had a great couple of years in Cardiff and, and also uh, away in Connacht there. And um, yeah, in Galway, it was just fantastic. So um, yeah, but we fast forward on now to to nine years out of footy. It certainly life has changed a lot for myself. Um, you know, it would have been lovely to have... Um, you know, I guess stayed over in 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 the UK and Ireland, um, but as it sort of turned out, I I came back to um, back to Glasgow. I had a home there, which which I'd sort of kept in all my the four years away, and um, yeah, spent a bit of time back in Glasgow. I did some work to the house I was living in, and um, anyway, I eventually moved back to Australia, and um, which is where my extended family are, and um, yeah, from there I I met a lovely lady, and and I've sort of been. Uh, um, here ever since, and now I've got a, a beautiful five five year old daughter. So my my life while I was playing um, was, I guess you could sort of say, quite um, quite selfish and quite very much around myself as a as a rugby player. And um, I guess since I retired, it's yeah, the world I once knew has certainly changed a lot. Yeah, and you're still involved in the game. You're just you were just after uh, completing a training session there before we spoke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I um, I'm involved in uh, Sydney Sydney University. I run the Colts program there, the under twenties. So we have uh, we have three teams. Um, yeah, anywhere between sixteen to twenty year old uh, young fellas, and yeah, it's a high performing um, club. So we uh, so it's something I, I, I thrive in. I really enjoy doing it. It's I must say it's one of those jobs when I, I think when I first took it on, I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do with my time? Like, how am I going to fill in my days? 
but I don't have those discussions very often anymore because uh, you'd be surprised how much I guess you've got to do. There's always something new you're dealing with. And the beauty in many ways of my job is there's always something different happening. It's not very regimented and well, it is to a degree, but there's also so many different things that, that pop up and uh, that you've got to deal with. You know, I'm, I obviously run that whole program. So I'm in charge of selection and, um, you know, dealing with that side of things. There's also other issues that young men have, I guess, from time to time. So that's that's been a real um, interesting learning curve for me, but I, I certainly enjoy it. And um, yeah, it's, it's great to be involved. I, um, you know, I, I, I do that, I guess, as my main form of income, but I'm also involved in, I do some commentary um, at times with the local club rugby competition. Um, you know, we're lucky here in Australia, Stan Sport and Channel 9 um, cover all the club rugby games. So I'm involved there and, um, and I also do other bits and pieces around the, the international game, especially when Scotland are playing, which is good because uh, I can stay in the game that way. But um, yeah, I guess I just um, pick up bits and pieces here and there and, and certainly, you know, my love for the game will never change. So I I want to stay relevant as a, as long as I possibly can. Yeah, and obviously there's a bit, bit of a time difference, but do you get up at all hours to watch the Six Nations games still? Yeah, 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 very much so. So we, um, yeah, most of the games you know, on pretty early. I think the game uh, against France a couple of weeks ago was, I think it was like a two o'clock a.m. kickoff on a Monday morning, which isn't ideal. Um, but I got up, I got up, and unfortunately within five minutes I wanted to turn off. Uh, it was yeah. disappointing. Um and, and uh, you know, it's you know, I'll, I'll put this on the record. I haven't said this. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm with the way the game has changed so much in more recent times. I, I understand the reasons for it, um, but I think something needs to happen because I've got a feeling that if it keeps going down this this avenue, that potentially the wrong team will win the World Cup, and I and that's that's my fear, is that um, like Gilchrist, Greg Gilchrist is. I think he's one of the most disciplined players in the game. And it was just by circumstance um, that he that he hit where he did. And I don't think that was ever intentional. And as I said, um, it was just such a shame that, that you know, he sent off. And then obviously what transpired six minutes later with the the French prop, um, you know, doing this, uh, obviously being being red carded. Um, but as I said, it's just I, my, my fear is that the game, I, again, I, I get it and I understand all that. But I'm, I think there's got to be something in the middle where, if something happens where it's not seen as a, a, an act of malice, um, that, that there's something, I don't know if it's an orange card or something, but I, I think something has to change because it's it would be a real travesty if if a competition, especially a World Cup, was lost on the on the back of, you know, something happening in that regard. And um, a team who probably didn't doesn't necessarily deserve to win the competition goes ahead and win it. Yeah, and of course, Grant Gilchrist will be out now for the remainder of the Six Nations. But do you not think mm. for an instant like that, like, where there may be no malice involved, that it should be kind of outcome-based, even if there's no intent involved. Yeah, well, that's what I'm sort of saying. I, I, again, I watch I watch a lot of rugby, and as a, you know, for me, there has to be, you know, there's obviously someone watching in the booth, and um, it, it, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't, again, I don't watch, I don't um, watch enough rugby shows, I don't listen, read enough um, rugby reports and from journalism and all the rest of it. I don't know if it's something that's been mentioned a lot about, you know, from I just thinking of colours here, of an orange card, that could be something in the middle where, for example, the team gets, you know, 20 minutes without that player, but then the equivalent position can replace that player after 20 minutes so the game can go back to a 
15 on 15, for example. Um, and now that's obviously down to a review panel. And I'm sure the referees who are on the field can make that review. And I'm, you know, I'd be confident that the majority of referees would make the right decision there. And I just think, you know, for example, like there's been other games over the years, which we've all seen, where you're like, how can that be a red card? Now, I think we all feel it at different times. And as I said, that, that to me, there has to be something in the middle. So, you know, it's our showpiece, the World Cup. And, you know, the last thing we want is it to be a bit of a disaster zone because of um, how how drastic the game has changed in regards to rule changes. Yeah, but I think the counter argument to something like a black card where a player is taken off, but then another player comes on, is that the player who might have been tackled has to stay off the pitch, though. And like he loses out on the, he or she loses out on the rest of the game yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's exactly right. And yeah. that's what I'm sort of saying. And, you know, like I'm writing to my league, right? So I've, I love watching the rugby league, especially here in Australia. And I know that, for example, there was a big semi final last year between the Roosters and the Rabbits. And um, one of the players actually took out the Roosters' best player, James Tedesco. So Tedesco had to go for a HIA. He was out of the game for the rest of the game. The player who got um, in trouble, he only got 10 minutes in the sin bin. So Tedesco was out for the rest of the game, but the the player who did the high shot only got 10 minutes in the bin. So he was able to come back on after that time. So unfortunately, the Roosters, they suffered the most in that in that exchange, if that makes sense. This wasn't an avenue I originally started intending going down, but let's just keep with it for one second. Do you think uh, there's a difference in tolerance between the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere rugby when it comes to uh, like high tackles and how they should be punished? Oh, Again, I, it's not something I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say it's that noticeable. I think there's, for me, there's just been a massive shift over the, you know, over the last, whatever it is, five to seven years, which is, but again, things things need to change. There's no question about that. I think I think the general consensus is that it's obviously all around safety, and we all understand, we all recognise that. But I think there has to be something in the middle. That's all. I think that, and I think you know the, the, the rugby person out there, I think, would agree with that. There has to be something in the middle where, um, again, if it is accident, and yes, it you know because we've seen we've seen people get sent off for clearing rucks out ten centimetres off the ground. Now. What what do you want to do? Like, you know, then there's, there's certain there's only certain things that you can actually do. Then there's not you know. So you're basically saying we just don't ruck anymore, or we don't we don't get involved in cleaning. Like it's that's what I'm saying. So there's got to be certain areas where we there has to be a counter a counter to not just a straight red. I think there's got to be, um, and I think at different times mitigating circumstances. I know that um, there's been a lot more yellow cards and not so quick on the red in recent times. Um, but as I said, I reckon there's got to be something in the middle there, something like an orange card where it's where it's essentially, yes, you get punished, your team gets punished um, because the outcome wasn't great, um, but obviously there was no malice involved and maybe there's a, you know, a, again, a, a, something where it's maybe 20 minutes and the player can be replaced. For example, it was Grant Gilchrist, yeah. Richie Gray could come on the field or Johnny Gray could come on the field after 20 minutes and replace him. Let's go back uh, just to your own playing career for a moment. Uh, back to 2010, of course, and people might remember you played such a huge part in Scotland's last win over Ireland in Dublin, uh, the 23 points to 10 win at Crow Park in 2010, which was Ireland's last Six Nations game there. I think that game meant Scotland avoided the wooden spoon, especially essentially that year. What was it like being a Scotland player back then and kind of what was the mentality like? Because I suppose there was a lot of inconsistency there. Yeah, um, 2010 was an interesting year. I'd sort of had a year away from international rugby and I 
came back in for that Six Nations and, you know, we lost. I didn't play in the first game against France, but we lost that one. It was, I think, you know, a 25 to 10, 25, 15 type of game. I could be wrong, but I think it was like that. And then, yeah, there was, I played in that game, the famous game against Wales in 2010, which I don't think anyone will ever forget. Um, we were in complete control of that match and unfortunately we just – we felt like uh, 10 pins at the end. Um, I could literally hardly walk. I got cramped so bad in my calf, in my calves that I, I just collapsed to the ground with six minutes to go. We had two sin bins right at the end of the game. We had um, we had halfbacks playing on the wing. It was just a, a, sh- a shambles. And unfortunately, Wales did some good things in the end, um, you know, and they just they overpowered us. But so there was that game. We then played Italy, I think, in the middle week, and Italy beat us over there, which was – you know, again, we're in a winnable position, but unfortunately we lost. We drew with England um, and then we we went across to Croke Park with not much to lose, really. It's a great stadium to play in. And, um, yeah, it was a really, really great game. Like, it was tight. You know, Johnny Sexton was the starter that day and, um, you know, he he sort of played the first 50-odd minutes. Then Agari came on and, um, yeah, it came down to the wire. It was only right at the end we, we got that penalty. So, um, but yeah, fond memories. That was one of my, I have to say, my most fondest yeah. memories of playing international rugby and playing um, in the UK and Ireland. Uh, it was yeah, it was a special day for Scotland, and and we certainly celebrated the victory because um, yeah, we hadn't had many victories in Ireland in recent times. So that was that was great. And I think we 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 certainly had some good players, but we didn't. Um, I guess you'd say we 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 possibly didn't have the cattle like they got now. There's a lot of depth in that Scotland team currently. They've got some absolutely world-class players. I think we all recognise that. Um, and those players have been around for a long period of time now. They've got good combinations and and they play well. They play a very exciting brand of rugby. I think being well-documented, probably the most exciting rugby player in the world right now is Finn Russell. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty... Um, it's a pretty healthy sign when you've got Australian and Kiwi players talking about it, a Scottish fly half. And, uh, and that's the case. And I'm, you know, I work in under twenties rugby and a lot of pretty much every single boy, uh, young fella in my squad knows about Finn Russell. Wow. So to me, that's a really positive sign for the game in the, in, in Europe. Uh, and I guess how attractive the six nations rugby has turned into. Yeah. Let's just look specifically at Finn Russell, uh, you know, go back a year ago to the week of the Ireland game and the six nations, there were six, Scotland players, including Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, were disciplined after they went out drinking in Edinburgh after coming home from Rome. And we know of the turbulent relationship between Russell and Gregor Townsend. Townsend originally dropped Russell for the November tests and Jamie Ritchie took over as captain as well from Hogg. And then Russell came back in for the New Zealand game and he's been doing Finn Russell moments uh, in the Six Nations. Do you think him being dropped originally last November was kind of the reality check that has allowed, you know, that has led to his performances now in this Six Nations. Oh, I'd certainly say it's played a part. I think, as you said, you know, there's possibly been a bit of turbulence there. Um, again, I don't know if there has been, but obviously, you, you know, you might sort of read into that. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's been documented. I think he's, his life's changed somewhat. He's, he's he's a family man now, I believe. He's He's had a He's got a child. So I think, you know, you, I guess the way you look at life changes somewhat. And, you know, I think Finn lived a pretty fast lifestyle. Um, I don't know how, if he still does, but, you know, good luck to him because that was the sort of person he was. And and obviously he's 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 changed. You could, you know, say on the surface level, he's certainly changed a bit now. And and it's good luck to him. He's, you know, he's great for the game. Like he's, 
he's wonderful for the game, even when, you know, he um, probably wasn't, you know, uh, the, uh, everyone's cup of tea in Scotland a few years ago. Like, everyone wants to talk about him. Like, let's be honest, like he's he's an excitement machine and people are interested in seeing what he's got to do. And every time he plays, he, he there's some form of um, a Finn Russell bit of magic. And I think we've certainly seen, like, in this Six Nations, gosh, he's been, I think, absolutely superb. Um, and he's he's such an X-factor player. And I think if he didn't play for Scotland, it, it'd be different. It wouldn't be the same. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, so I think it's it's a great thing that he's there. I think he's he's been complimented by two centres at the moment who are just playing phenomenal. Um, Sione Tuopolotu, he's, he's fantastic. He's, um, you know, I know a bit about him from his time in Australia. And um, and you've got Hugh Jones who, yeah, he's been in the, you know, I guess in the wilderness for a couple of years, but he's playing back like he was previously. Um yeah, so I just think, and I've been really impressed with the halfback as well, White. I think he's been really good. I think Ali Price and Greg Laidler have pretty much had the monopoly on the halfback position for years. And White's come in and, you know, he's exciting. He's playing some really good rugby. Um, yeah, as I said, you can complement that with some of the forward pack. You know, Jamie Ritchie, his form has been quite phenomenal. Hamish Watson, such a shame on the weekend that he had to be taken off so early. We didn't get to see what he's capable of. Matt Ferguson. Strong boy up front, you know, and as I said, you've, you've got the Grey brothers who I'm sure will be there this week and um, strong front row. So, you know, we've got a, a local hero in, is it Schumann? He uh, he does some wonderful things in the front row uh, along with the likes of Xander Fagerson and then, you know, they've got a, a variety of different hookers they can choose from. So, yeah, now they've got plenty of good talent there and it's, and my point, it's, Probably besides Ben White, everyone else has got a lot of caps. They play a lot of rugby together. They play a lot of provincial rugby together. You know, like that's that's proven and um, it's really working for them. And I think this week against Ireland, like we know how good Ireland are at the moment. They're, you know, they're certainly the number one team in the world. Um, and yeah, so it's it's going to be a real, I think it'll be a challenge for Ireland, but I also um, think it's Scotland got tremendous opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the stats from Finn Russell in this Six Nations, uh, he tops the charts for most tries with four, most conversions with eight, most carries with 45, most offloads with six. It is going to be such a mouthwatering matchup between the two starting out halves. Like, we expect Johnny Sexton to be fit for this. Uh, you know, of course, as well, you had Russell who went on the Lions tour to South Africa a few years ago, played really exciting rugby there, and it was Sexton who was left at home. A bit of contrast of styles here, is there, between the two starting out halves on Sunday? Uh, yeah, possibly. I think um, again, I, don't know, I haven't got the stats to hand, but my understanding is Ireland are passing the more the ball more than any other nation um, statistically. So that would tell me that Johnny's moving the ball a lot, like like Finn does. Um, I think it's Finn's exuberance. He throws the the long cutout passes, and and he's extremely accurate. Obviously, it led to a downfall with one of the intercept tries against France. Um, but that can happen, you know. That's you know, teams read that and and good luck to them. But you know, it won't change Finn. He'll continue to be himself and and uh, and and you know, and throw those passes and try that little kicking behind the line and throw that flick pass. Like if you look at what he did do against Wales, like that was that was world class. Like that was a ten out of ten game, and and that's why we love to watch it. You know, there'll be no different this week against Ireland. What I, I mean, I suppose the view of Scotland is that has been that lack of consistency, which is notable by its presence in this year's competition. I mean, you know, the bonus points win over England and Wales, the first time since 1996 that Scotland won their two opening games. 
what has been the reason for that lack of consistency? Because it would seem from the outside that they might get carried away with one you know, good win, maybe fall in love with themselves and just not back it up a week later. Why do you think that has been there in the Scotland squad? I think if they knew that, then it wouldn't be happening, right? Um, I think that's, and I think as well, like it probably doesn't happen as much, but every time a nation comes up against Scotland, there's no taking them easy. There's no foot off the gas. They're very much aware if they come with that mentality and that attitude, they can do what they did to Wales. In you know in that round two, and that's that's the reality. Um, so teams can't afford to slack it off. It doesn't matter who you are; you can't afford to slack it off against a team like Scotland because they can score points from anywhere. Um, and yeah, there's obviously been at times you know lack of consistency. I, I think also we have to be aware that the Six Nations is a very very tough competition. It, it, there's no easy games. Like Italy's proved that this year. The way they're playing recently is it's phenomenal, and it's great to see they're. You know, they're throwing the ball about. They've got some really dangerous power forwards, which it's great to see. And obviously got some really exciting backs. You know, the back, unbelievable player in Capuzzo. He's been, you know, quite phenomenal the last couple of years. But And that, that's the way the game is now. It's You've got to keep up with the times and you've, you've always got to be stressing defences. And Italy, to their credit, are doing that. So as, to my point, there is no easy games. Um, and that's the reality. So each team has got to be on. And you've got to be lucky. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to be lucky with with injuries. Um, if you can keep a reasonably fit squad and get through the games you need to get through, that um, possibly without those players. But as long as they're fit for the big games, then you can you know you can win the Premier, the the Six Nations. You know, look at Wales a couple of years ago. I think I think they were predicted to come second last, and they won the Six Nations. I think they went undefeated. Um, you know, there was an element of luck in that because that was where there was red cards that went against the opposition, and Wales kept their discipline, but. They still managed to do it. So, um, but yeah. So back to my point. I think it. I think it's a point. There's no easy games now, so teams can't afford to go in with that attitude. And Scotland now are, are certainly in that category. If you take them easy, it's at your own peril because they can score points and they yeah. can defend points as well. Yeah. And of course, Ireland going for the Grand Slam. We're getting very giddy about that um, here in Ireland and they've had to go to Murrayfield before, obviously in the in the second last leg, uh, like they did in the Slam in 2009. How will the Scotland team kind of view Ireland, you know, number one ranked team in the world? Because there is that kind of familiarity factor, you know, how will, will the, their confidence won't be hit by this? I'd say they would absolutely love the idea of playing the number one ranked team in the world. Oh, of course they would. They'd be loving it. They, I think if you look at, if you have a real close look at that game against France, like they gifted France a lot of points. Let's not forget that. Um, they were down by, was it 12 or 14 early in the game? Uh, there was an intercept pass in there. Um, you know, so as I said, a lot of the points that were scored against them, I guess you could almost say against the run of the play. Um, so it was very uncharacteristic of how Scotland generally have been starting lately. So when they got themselves in that position, I personally think the way they clawed back was a real, real positive sign. Uh, they didn't give up. They kept coming and coming and coming and grinding away gradually. And they got themselves into a winnable position. And I think... You know, if I'm the coach, I'm certainly looking at that as a real positive. Guys, you put yourselves in a real important position here. And there was a there was a big moment that happened in the second half in particular. Um, I just can't quite remember what it was, but it was something to do with a was it a halfback pass? They dropped it. Um, it could have been someone going into 
to pass the ball and rather than the actual halfback passing it, and they fumbled it. And I remember thinking that was a massive moment in the game. Um, and there was also one or two other parts towards the you know the last five or six minutes as well. If they get those right again, it could have been a different result, but they didn't. And um, you know, and they'll be they'll be ruined that because they they would have looked at it as a real opportunity. There's yeah. time in in that long um, that they've been in that position to be able to. Uh, to potentially, you know, win their first three Six Nations in such a long time. So, but it's not all lost. As I said, that was a really, I think, solid performance. They'll take a lot out of that. They've had a week off. You know, bodies arrested. Um, they'd be really well settled on the team that they would they would be picking, um, and they would have trained accordingly. So they'll go in. I believe, you know, not overconfident, but certainly confident they can put in a good performance. Well and truly aware that Ireland. Let's be honest, they're the number one team in the world at the moment. That's the reality, you know, and that that's also a massive wrap on Ireland. Uh, the depth they've managed to now, um, you know, secure in, in all positions, it doesn't matter who goes out. You know, look at Johnny going out now, Ross Burns getting some confidence more and more each and every single week. So, uh, and they're going to need that. They're going to need that. So Six Nations is obviously very important, but, you know, the big one Ireland obviously won is, like every nation, is the, is the World Cup, and they're going to need to have depth all over the park, like Robbie Henshaw, where's he at at the moment? He can't even get in. Well, he's hopefully going to be back from injury for this game, yeah. So you've got, you know, the likes of Bundy Aki, who's been on the bench recently. He started the last match and was it was awesome. He was quite superb. So, you know, you've got McCluskey in there. Like, there's a lot of real talent. Um, that's my point, just the depth is... Yeah, is, and Gary Ringrose is meant to be back as well this weekend. So where do you think, well. yeah, where do you think... Scotland could trouble Ireland and where do you think Ireland could really trouble Scotland this weekend? Well, I think Ireland plays such a well-structured game. Um, as I said, they're passing the ball so many times now. There's so many different options off a lot of what they're doing. So I think um, that side of the game, as I said, just their you know, in, in different intricacies of their play. I've noticed they've been doing some of the old Joe Schmidt plays where the um, and I think one of my old Connett men was involved in that, um, the pass back on the inside for the, the try to the fullback who only heard of the last couple of years, but he's been going quite superb. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think that you know, just their short passing game, I think, will could certainly certainly trouble Scotland. And I think the start is, is so important, um, especially for Scotland. Um, if Scotland can be there, be in touching distance, not like they were against France because they had to – claw and I think if you can get the Murrayfield crowd in the Murrayfield crowd in recent times has been absolutely incredible for Scotland they've been such a a support and um, it's really helped them in a lot of games in more recent years so um, I think that would be a big emphasis all about how we start let's get some points on the board early let's put Ireland under pressure Um, and I think that they're some of the keys to success I think as we've discussed um, need to see some flair I think if Scotland can score some of their tries from those Larry moments, you know, the likes of Russell, he's going to be full of confidence. The go forward that uh, Tui Pilotu and, and Hugh Jones are giving has been tremendous. That obviously needs to continue. And if they can get those this things sliding, then there's there's hope. But I, I don't think it's – I think in the past you might have said, oh, it's an 80-20, 80% Ireland, 20% Scotland. That's not like that anymore. It's really – the gap is narrowing. And I think um, Scotland, you know, themselves are building really nicely for the for the Six Nations and also for the World Cup. 
Yeah, I read recently that the actual Triple Crown trophy was made by jewellers in Edinburgh in 2006, but Scotland have yet to actually win the trophy because the last time they won it, there was no actual trophy uh, back in 1990. So like denying Ireland a Grand Slam, you know, the possibility of winning a Triple Crown, getting themselves back in the championship race. How are you calling it this weekend? Well, obviously my heart says Scotland. um, But as I said, it's, you know, you've got to be realistic here. Ireland should go in as favourites, and I think um, the majority of people would think that. And But, you know, I, I you know, as I said, I, I I hold hope for Scotland. Like there was a few years there where you'd be like, oh, well, let's hope they're in the contest. Um, but I genuinely believe they can win it. I think they've got the, the cattle there. They've got the players, um, you know, coaching staff. You know, got the quality coaches. Greg has you know, obviously done an outstanding job. Steve Tandy, there's some real quality men um, working with that Scottish team. And, as 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 have Ireland. Um, obviously, Andy Farrell's done a, a tremendous job taking over in more recent times. But um, but yeah, I'm 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 going to stick with Scotland. I'm going to say they're going to win um, narrowly, maybe even a penalty after the full time siren. There you go. Um, <laughs> just like us in 2010. But uh, either way, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a great spectacle to watch. Um, tell me, what's the weather like? expected well i'm not sure what it's like for scotland i know we're supposed to expect a bit of snow here in ireland so i'm not sure what it's going to be like in edinburgh but um okay yeah hopefully the surface the surface is never an issue obviously it's absolutely stunning so it'll just be more about the conditions it's quite a as we all know it's a very it's a very tricky ground with the breeze murrayfield it always was when i played there um and you know i'm sure that will play a part in in some ways it's always tricky for the goal kickers but but yeah, I, I'd expect a very high entertaining game. And um, I think either way, it'll be a, a tight margin. And I'm leaning Scotland. And up at all hours for you then to watch the game. It'll be a, a tired Monday morning for you. Yeah, going. I was going to say it's another Sunday game. So uh, yeah, no, I'll get myself up um, nice and early on, on Monday. And um, yeah, no, obviously I'll be there. And uh, sorry, I'll be there in spirit and watching the game from the living room. And as I said, hopefully they can, they can put up a good performance. But either way, I, I really enjoy just getting up and, and watching it. It is such a great spectacle. It's um, it's so wonderful that we can watch it from the from the um, luxury of our own homes. It used to be it, it, when I was playing that my family would have to go into certain bars that were showing it at three and four o'clock in the morning. Now, there were only about two or three in, in the whole of the city. So it's certainly changed a lot now. And um, yeah, I think it's great that we've got access to, you know, to so much rugby we can see all over the world. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you very much for joining us. Good on you. Thanks again. Well, join us for more episodes this week as we continue the build-up to Scotland against Ireland. Will will have more on the Scottish angle tomorrow. I'll be back on Friday with Rory O'Connor after the Ireland team is named and we'll have another episode after the final whistle at Murrayfield on Sunday. Thanks for listening. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.